Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters Podcast from GP Strategies. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts, exploring best practices and innovative insights to help you and your organization improve performance. I'm your host, Jeremy Shear. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My guests are Tom Pizer, Director of Learning Technologies at GP Strategies, and Kathleen Duncan, a Technical Project Manager at GP Strategies. Kathleen, Tom, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having us back. Thanks. Pleasure. So in this episode, we're focusing on best practices for implementing new learning technologies. So Kathleen, let's start with you. Once you've chosen a technology, you've gone through that process of vetting and you've decided, okay, this is the one for us, and you're starting to implement it, inevitably, you're going to run into a range of reactions and objections, right? Some people who are super excited, some people who are not everything from this is the greatest thing since sliced bread till this will destroy the company. How do you deal with those kinds of extremes? There always are those extremes, aren't there? Yeah. <laughs> I think there are uh, a couple things. One, get the team together from across your organization and have them be part of the process. And they might not have tasks. They might not be part of uh, the deliverable schedule, but feeling included and being heard goes a long way, uh, regardless of where those people are within your organization. It also gives a chance to have a little bit of additional creative feedback. You'll get great feedback from IT or from your security folks or from your engineers or from your your graphic designers and and ID and, and learning consultants all across the board, just to have that ear and that listening phase invite them periodically, let them know what's going on, provide status um, updates. I had a project one time designing a, a brand new website, and I think we were you know, already past wireframes and design comps and even into that kind of first draft uh, review cycle. And this particular group had invited a larger selection of, uh, of team members. And there was one person who was really quite upset that they had never heard about the project before. They were never consulted. Why didn't I see this? Why didn't I know about this? And it just took a little bit of explanation that, in fact, the team was larger in that meeting that today and that there had been a wide cross-section of interviews and participation and reviews and discussions. And just by showing that, that this person's peers were involved and that there was support and input, they really relaxed and really understood that they are part of the team and that can help buy in and sell and evangelize the the product and the, the process throughout the company. So just that soft touch of inclusion goes a long way. And then the second thing, and I think this is probably even more important, don't wait too long into a project until you get that kind of higher up stakeholder buy-in and approval. Um, You you have to make sure that buy-in and that vision is shared. Uh, A lot of times you start a project and there can be modifications and changes and you're innovating and you are doing the the, uh, design thinking and things might change. So where you might Mm -hmm. start with those initial conversations with somebody who's at the C-level or around there to when they see it, in their mind, they've got a vision that's going along too. And maybe the team has deviated from that and agrees, but it might not align. So making sure that you are keeping that kind of final approval, sign-off resource informed along the way so that they can see progress, I think is really critical. You don't want to have them say, no, this isn't it, uh, when you feel like you've made it and uh, are at the end of the race there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tom, what's your take on this? 
One of the things that we try to avoid doing is black box engineering. That is uh, a request comes in, engineering happens, solution comes out. There is no stakeholder involvement in a solution like that. And there's very little alignment between the developing organization and the delivery. So we try to employ an agile process. Now, I know a lot of people have heard the agile word before, but really what it means is a continual design and release cycle. When you're doing something new, when you're implementing a new solution, you want to make sure that those stakeholders that are at the very beginning uh, of the project, that they get to see progress along the way. And Kathleen hit on some of them. They are comprehensive wireframes. They can include more visual mock-ups of how things will work, how the flow will work. They'll be able to see iterative uh, delivery along the way so that when they get a solution in the end, it's not a surprise. Generally, surprises are never going to be good, especially when you're in an innovative space. Yeah. Okay. So part of this uh, implementation process is getting feedback early and often right? So you can keep improving the process as you go. And in order to do that, you're going to need to get the technology in the hands of early adopters, people who are maybe enthusiastic, or at least willing to give it a fair try and then give you some feedback. So Kathleen, how do you find those people? Ask. I think they're always <laughs> going to be volunteers. Assume that people do want to help and they will. I think the, the volunteers, the people who step and say, I want to be part of this, they're going to be the active ones. They're going to be the most vocal. People who you assign or appoint don't always have the time, <laughs> but let them listen in as you progress. Let those volunteers be part of uh, some of the discussions. I know that there's a hesitation there to make the team too large, of course. Building a large project by consensus is, is not going to be very successful either. But just having that information share so that there aren't those surprises and that so you can pick up feedback as you go along is, is really good uh, and helps you be successful. But I yeah, think the volunteers mm -hmm. are there. A wide variety. If you're building, just say, a, a web app, I can't think of a specific example for a use case, but it's always nice to have different users, a typical power user, somebody who's using your existing systems a lot already. They know how they want to do things. They have their way set in stone. They know where their bookmarks are and they want to be able to achieve the same tasks that they're already able to achieve. And then maybe some people who aren't so active, ask some people who want to learn something new, maybe new to a role, an experienced user, new to role, helping out as well. And then I always like to uh, work with people who are that kind of end line for uh, support issues. Either it's uh, the customer support representative or the help desk or something to hear. What are you hearing? What do you see? How could you, what tools might make your job easier to help others and look to build those things into whatever you're trying to, to do. Mm -hmm. Get ahead right. of questions, concerns by, by talking to them and seeing what their pain points are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we've had some clients who have asked us outright, we've got subject matter experts who really understand the subject matter, but they have never seen virtual reality before. They've never seen augmented reality, or they don't know what gamification is, and they don't know what to look for. They don't know the way to properly evaluate those storyboards, aside from checking whether or not the content is correct. So we may work with that client to identify someone in their organization who maybe is in that learning space. Maybe they're not a stakeholder in the specific project that we're working in, but they've got the capacity to, to really understand what it is we're trying to do and to assist that team on that side. 
And like Kathleen said, sometimes as a practitioner, what that means for us is adding a step to the design process. We had a client recently that we were designing some augmented reality for. And for that client, they knew the content, but they didn't know exactly what this augmented reality was going to look like when deployed to their learner base. So rather than just storyboard it in written form, we actually did some animatics where we demonstrated what this would look like. It's displaying how characters in the learning will look like. It's displaying the type of content, but at the same time, it's also displaying how it will play out. So that assisted them as well. Mm -hmm. And when you do that and you get feedback from the client, Tom, I'll stick with you for a sec. How important is it to weigh that feedback? In other words, there's different kinds of feedback, right? Some might be more legitimate than others. They might get some comment that from your point of view, being the expert, you're like, okay, they just didn't understand this. We need to explain it better. And some that's actually like, oh yeah, that's a great point that can actually turn us in a, a more positive direction. Is that fair to say? Yes, and it's part of the agile process. One of the things that we can never assume as creative technical folks is that we fully understand the perspective of that person who really knows their business or really knows their learners. So you really need to take and internalize that. and You really need to understand who the audience is that you're developing this for take that and apply that to it. In some cases, that may mean that we have to pull back a little bit on the innovation, but that's okay. We want to make sure that we develop something that's really going to be usable by that learner audience and they know their learner audience. Mm -hmm. So much of this has to do with clear communication and managing expectations. Like we said earlier, you're going to have people who have extreme reactions. And I think especially when you're dealing with those people who are just super gung-ho, this is awesome, this is going to change everything, our problems are solved, and that's never going to actually be the case. Tom, how do you manage those expectations so people don't end up being disappointed? You have to realize that sometimes the solution that you're deploying is not going to hit every member of the audience, and you've got to be prepared to deal with that. An example of this, let's just take a look at, at diversity and inclusion right now. We have to ensure often that the content that we deliver not only meets the learning requirements of, say, our target audience, but there may also be an audience that needs learning developed in a different manner. Maybe we've got motor skill impairments. Maybe we've got people with vision impairments. And we've got to be thinking about, all right, if this type of solution just really isn't going to meet that requirement. Is there an alternative solution that's going to deliver the same quality and the same level of content? Um, but it may not be the exact same approach. And I'll tell you right now that in the virtual reality world, it's still a new and budding technology. And that means that you've got some adopters who are really clamoring for it and really want this type of learning, but you've got other people who just aren't comfortable with the idea of either sharing headsets or even using a headset. And how might we deliver that content and experience in one manner, but maybe do it in a video-based approach for an alternative audience? So you can never discount that audience. You, you need to take their feedback seriously and you need to consider it and bring it up early with your client. 
so let's say that you've gone through a lot of these processes that we've been talking about. You've gotten it into the hands of the early adopters, gotten that feedback, done a kind of pilot rollout on a smaller scale, and you feel like, okay, this is showing real potential. We're ready for the next step. Tom, what is that next step? The next step is to ensure that you can replicate that going further and that you never rest on your laurels. You never just stay in one area. In the previous podcast, I had described a virtual reality-based activity that we had developed, and it's almost comical to look back on it. Continue to innovate, you continue to iterate, and you want to make sure that other team members are going to be able to deliver and deploy those experiences as well. I I think back to the earliest days of e-learning in the industry. I'm really dating myself here. But when we were making the move into e-learning, not everybody was comfortable with working alone in an e-learning space. They really enjoyed the experience of learning in a classroom or learning from other learners. And so you have to realize that what you are developing now is going to continue to grow and expand. The more that you can prepare other practitioners in your organization to be able to support and supply these solutions, the less that you're going to create a bottleneck when it comes to development. So making sure that you continue to iterate, that you that you continue to uh, innovate, and that you uh, help grow and educate others in your organization. Okay, Kathleen, despite everybody's best efforts throughout this process, there just might come a point where you have to conclude, this is not working. We thought this was going to be the best technology and it's just not happening. What are those red flags? And if those red flags pop up, what do you do about it? One red flag is sudden silence. Uh, if you're you're working with the client or presenting something, and in the past there's been a lot of uh, back and forth and discussion and collaboration, and suddenly everyone's a little bit quiet. I think you could start pulling out those questions. How are people feeling? What are some thoughts that are going on right now? Do you see anything that's concerning to you with how we're going forward? And just pause. If we're honest that we're pausing, we could even say, you know what, let's you know, step away from the schedule. Uh, right now and not be worrying about that next deliverable, that end date. I think a lot of people are always concerned about we're tied to a launch date or we're tied to a review schedule or we're tied to a a payment schedule. Let's take a pause and kind of uh, step back and see what the original goals were. Let's start at the beginning. Let's look at the initial discussions. Let's outline those goals or learning objectives or platform discussions and follow that path again and then work out those conversations to see where some either misunderstandings or concerns, it could be new. With the VR examples that Tom was talking about earlier, everything was going fantastic with VR and projects and development, and suddenly COVID comes up and it really does change your plan. And all of a sudden, that might not be the primary delivery point. And rather than marching ahead with pushing it, keep going and continuing just to get it out the door and say that you're done and do the checklist to say, we've met all our goals, we're finished, to pause and say, okay, is that end goal not really what we're 
we need to shift. We need to take a look and, and look at another direction and kind of replan and retweak and have those discussions openly, not tied specifically to a scope or an agreement or an SOW and make sure that you're really a partner with who you're working with so that you can renegotiate, rediscuss and make sure that everyone feels that they're being heard and that everyone feels that either a shift in a direction or a continuation is where that project needs to go. And, and we can't overemphasize the importance of measurement and feedback. It's one of the things that you have to take into consideration, uh, especially at the beginning of a new innovation or a new approach. You need to make sure that you're not only designing well, but also designing some measurement that is going to see, is there pull through? Are we getting people completing this learning? Are they learning something as they go? But also, are we getting their feedback? Kathleen mentioned, do they feel like they're heard? Give them a mechanism in order to be heard. So provide them with a mechanism to provide some of that feedback. And never get to the point where you become so invested in the solution that you can't see beyond the delivery of the solution. We have been very excited about things that we've developed in the past, and they didn't land the way, the way that we assumed that they would land, and they didn't even have the impact and the pride that we had in the solution when it was delivered. So understanding that and then being able to pivot and transition that project in a different direction that is going to meet the requirements and get the feedback that you're looking for. Yeah, which can be really hard to do, right? Especially if you're really invested in something and excited about it and you feel like you've done all the due diligence and it's going sideways, you got to be able to kill your babies. That's, exa that's exactly right. And for us who are practicing in this space, it is your baby. You know, you've created it and you've nurtured it and you've delivered it and you've sent it out and people don't love your baby. <laughs> right. So it's kind of sad, but then you're able to, to take it. You haven't lost everything along the way. You still develop the learning. You still develop the, the learning requirements. It should be easy enough to turn it in a slightly different direction. Yeah. Okay. There's so much more to say, but we're going to stop here. And so Tom, Kathleen, thank you guys so much for a great discussion. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks. It's been a lot of fun. The Performance Matters podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts and listen on our website at gpstrategies.com slash podcasts.